Hi there. Welcome to Tech Talk Weekly. I'm Bob from Creation Station. Today, we're going to give you a question about what time is it on the moon? Uh, if you haven't been here before, this is our weekly show where we talk about three or four interesting tech topics in the news. Send John your way in about 20 minutes. Uh, today, I have Michael Bryant with me from Community Engagement. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Life is great. Michael and I are almost cubicle mates. We have, what, a whole six inches in between the two places, yeah. I think? <laughs> So exactly. tell everybody what you actually do, Michael, for anybody who hasn't seen you on the show before. Okay. Thank you, Bob. Um, I oversee all of the adult programs okay. and the entire library system. Okay. And so I work with each of our libraries to bring adult programs, such as uh, our technology classes, financial literacy, um, our NEA Big Read program. I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And so I get a chance to work with um, all of the wonderful staff across the system. Um, I get a chance to reach out with our uh, potential partners, like some of the uh, financial literacy organizations and things of that nature. So it's, it gives me a great variety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, and all the stuff that we, all the crazy wait till you see all the things that are coming up here, folks. Um, let's get into this because there's some interesting stories today. Um, the first one is, Michael, who do you think is the biggest predator up there in the North Pole? I know everybody would just instinctively say polar bears. Yeah, when I, um, of course, if you would ask me that question before I took a look at the article, I probably would have said polar bear as well, or maybe like a whale or something. But yeah, yeah, it looks like it's not the polar bear. Isn't it crazy? So. Yeah. What happens and what this is really a function of, and I put a quick little chart up here of why it, it's not, is that there's a fairly small number of actual polar bears, and they eat whales and they eat seals and everything, but there's sea stars and star, mm -hmm. other starfish and everything like that down there at the bottom that are eating a tremendous amount of plankton and all sorts of other stuff, including, here's a picture to get you going, of all the starfish swallowing up a sea lion. Mm -hmm. So your sea lion dies of natural causes or for whatever sinks to the bottom and then suddenly is just swallowed up so i think that is really an interest i thought this was so interesting to go in and just you know get that comparison about what it's all it's all about how many there are not so much about how big and ferocious you are you know and why we have to watch out for all these other little things that are going around Exactly. Yeah, I, one of the things I, I thought was interesting, it's, I just never really thought about, you know, just the volume that sea stars were uh, consuming. Um, yeah. Because, you know, of course, the, as you mentioned, the polar bears, um, but their hunting is much, much larger per se. But then you have so many sea stars and the things that they're eating. Um, and because there's so many more of them, the yeah. total volume ends up being more than what the polar bears are consuming. Yeah. It would just crazy. And, and it goes through, it's, it's a fungal. And as always, we'll have all the links in the show notes for you. It's um, a fun little this chart here for that. And then our other idea here was gardening. Mm -hmm. 
gardening is a pretty safe topic. Gardening, you'd think, right? I mean, you go out there, you, you have a garden because you want to grow healthy vegetables and that's going to make you healthier. It turns out, not quite so much. It's not, the, the biggest benefit to gardening for you out there is not the actual food itself, but it's the act of gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, they went through and found out that there were, of all the different studies, 37 different community gardens that they did these studies at. The act of gardening, being outside, doing the gardening and everything brought better mm-hmm. health benefits than the actual just eating healthier from having eating food out of your own garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, one of the things I looked at was um, looking at the, the fact that people who are gardening, they ended up exerting more physical um, activity. Yeah. And, um, and so that had a lot to do with you know, their fitness level, um, reducing their stress. And so, as you mentioned, there are so many other benefits to gardening besides the fact of just consuming the food. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just craziness. Um, let me, uh, I'm hearing, uh, we're, we we do, did get a comment in the chat about um, the background noise over there. And yeah, so, and, uh, Understand that from out there, we do get that kind of noise sometimes because all of our people that are we're working with here are all in working areas of the library sometimes, and that's that's part of the uh, interesting part about this. And um, that's and that's probably on my end over here, but I have a yeah. few few workers uh, coworkers around me, and so I'll try to mute and hop in and out. Yeah. Well, and also, I yeah, I, it's it's not you, Michael. It's the people. I can hear her voice behind you. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> I'll tease her about it later. Um, our, our next story was something that seems really simple. What time is it on the moon? This is a topic, Bob, I, I never even thought about before until I read this article. I, what is the time on the moon? I never even thought about it before. So it was some interesting things that we talked about. You know, like how what did the, you used to think? What did you used to think about that? I never thought about it before. And it was never something I could even consider. And and then just reading some of the um, the, the article where it talked about the, the, the clocks, how they move different depending on the, the gravitational pull. And so that plays a big to do as to what time it would be on the moon and how they would actually coordinate the time with um, our time on earth. Yeah, there's a... Um... Uh, six clocks looking for, I can't find it real fast. I'll, I'll grab it. There's a book. It's either six clocks or 12 clocks that have changed the world. Um, that fit right into what you were just saying there, Michael. And one of the ideas behind this and why it doesn't always occur to people that you have to think about how you're going to organize this. Cause I asked this of a couple of people. This is one of the stories that got emailed to us. Um, so thank you out there for, uh, sending these in and they were like, well, but it's, it's gotta be easy. And I, and I was like, no, are you just going to pick Cape Canaveral? Are you going to pick Houston? Are you going to pick Greenwich mean time? What are we using just as a base? And then don't forget, you've got stuff orbiting the moon as the moon is orbiting the 
Earth, and you've got all these different things. And oh, by the way, we're trying to go back to the moon, <laughs> which is one of the reasons this came up. And so now you're going to have a satellite network up there over the moon, and you're going to have to. So one of the first things they're going to be establishing is an actual communications tower. The first lander that goes there is going to act as a communications tower so that they can synchronize and set up moon standard time. I don't know. What do you think they're going to call it? That's that's kind of the interesting one for me is what are they actually going to be calling this? Armstrong standard time has a ring to it. Yeah, yeah. I know... Um... I think in the article, it talked a lot about how um, they're doing all this research and a lot of it is going to lead up into people actually living on the moon. Yeah. And that's going to be such a big to do that they have to make those decisions. And then it's also talked about having the different time zones, like how would you set up the time zones on the moon as well? Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and also, one of, this, one of these ideas, it's a small little idea, but it has to change, is one of the current policies for space is you don't launch nuclear things in space. They get special permission to put satellites, uh, long-term satellites out, like Voyager and things that have small um, nuclear-powered uh, uh, engines. Uh, Cassini that went by um, Saturn. But... Yeah, we're going to have to launch not a lot of stuff, not like nuclear weapon type stuff, but we're going to have to put some decent, you know, amount of energy up there to keep these things running for a long time. And solar panels don't really work on the moon. There's a whole dark side of the moon thing going on. So just to let you know. Then we have another story. Well, we have three more stories for you because nobody can stop talking about ChatGBT. So a couple of quick, let me give you the three headlines and I want to get your take on this, Michael. Uh, so Google is you know, all, all shook up about this idea of open AI, putting out ChatGBT and all these other types of things. Um, and what's that going to do to their company? It was found out that CNET was publishing dozens and dozens of articles over the course of several months that were fully written by ChatGPT and other AI type things without human writers and such. Uh, 77 stories altogether. And then finally, what happens if you're using a chatbot for mental health care? So these three stories all... The key thing that seems to be is one ChatGBT or, or some kind of AI chat, but it's also about is it different than doing it as a human? And this is one of those things where I believe it's just in the zeitgeist right now. Everybody's talking about it. It's, everybody gets worked up about this and is some people are going too fast. Some people are just reacting without thinking about it. Um, I personally noticed right here in the CNET one, they said that 41 of the 77 stories had to have some kind of correction. They don't bother to mention how many of their other stories that a human editor or a human writer did that an editor had to go in and make a correction. 
Go, Michael. Tell me. Yeah. Um, well, as far as the correction I part, makes me think about um, um, electric cars. Um, how a certain number of electric cars every year catch on fire, but then also gasoline right. cars catch on fire. Yeah. Fire yeah. as well. At, at like at like a hundred percent. You know, whatever. <laughs> hundreds of cars of gasoline mm. cars versus one electric car yeah mm -hmm. yeah so you know as you mentioned it's, it's it would be nice to kind of see um the statistics on both ends but yeah when i was looking at the uh the chat um on gpt and um i was thinking to myself like wow google is spooked by someone really uh -huh. wow that was interesting yeah. and i as i was reading the article one of the things i thought about is you know, I definitely want to experience this chat GPT to kind of see what the, oh, yeah. you know, what the fuss is yeah. about it and everything to kind of get an idea. And um, just, I think that um, seeing the conversation piece of the chat GPT, I, I want to experience that to see how the, the AI is just able to engage the person um, yeah. as a person can ask a question. Um, it is. See how you know, natural yeah. the process is. It's super natural um, with how you just you just type. It's it's much better than interacting with most chat bots out there. If you're doing customer service stuff out on a website and you're like, oh, I don't want to talk to this thing. It's just got pre-programmed answers. It's much more natural flowing. It's much more relaxed. You can ask it questions. It will give you back answers depending upon how complicated you get is how much they will give you back. The, the stories that it was writing were for the most part just low quality, like not not checking that that fact is backed up by other people. It's just like here, one person threw out this one fact, and they they took that and ran with it instead of going through and verifying with other other sources. Um, and plus, because it creates it on its own, I like this thing. They're calling it hallucinations. That the AI has hallucinations and says the wrong thing, and I'm like. Uh, that's not what we call it when a human says that. Well, you know, I, um, the, on the mental health article, um, it, it definitely brings up so many, um, you know, issues as far as privacy and, you know, patient care. Um, yeah. so it's just interesting how all of those things are going to, going to shake out and, and settle as these things become more and more of a standard. Um, as people continue to seek these services, um, because I think one of the things you talked about in the article as well is that there was not nearly enough mental health professionals right. um, to help with the number of people that needs the uh, assistance. And so that's kind of driving the, the, the need for this automated system such as ChatGPT. Yeah. And that's one of those things where if you're dealing with a human therapist and you're going back and forth, that's one it can you can only do one person at a time if you if you are a human and you're trying to interact with with your patient you it's one on one you're dealing with one person outside of group setting obviously um, here if you can figure out how to do this ethically this is a really good resource for being able to go back and forth and talk to people in that there are several text message only um, versions of this that have been in existence for years. And it's 
something where you could just be in you're in bed at three o'clock in the morning and you can just text this number and you'll get a text response back. And they're all pre-approved texts back by someone. Some therapist has said, yes, this is an okay message to send to people when they're asking these sorts of things different than ChatGBT is. We're using ChatGBT, by the way, as just the generic AI text in the context of this conversation. There are many AI chatbots out there, which is going back to the original. Yeah, go, Michael. Well, well that, that was gonna, I think we kind of touched on it as well, but um, the, the data, I always wonder about the data that's being um, collected because I would imagine something like this could be offered, you know, online. And so people can seek this, um, say, for example, uh, mental health therapy. Yeah. And now they're able to go to um, some of these automated uh, systems and they're able to get counseling and things of that nature. And I just wonder um, how much of their information are they giving up by clicking um, the user agreement saying, yes, you know, I agree to use this service. Yeah. And how vulnerable is the data um, once it's inside this housing of wherever it's going mm -hmm. to be stored? Yeah. Uh, there's an article uh, that came out this afternoon from Amazon that uh, they their HR people said, hey, stop using this because they're asking, people were experimenting with it, with a version of the open AI. They were asking the, the questions that interviewers were asking. And now those questions are now built into the database for open AI and their chat GBT. So now other people who go in and ask, well, if they ask me this, they're going to know what kind of answers. Uh, Bob, I don't know if you, um, others can hear you, but I can't hear you anymore. Huh? Okay. I'm showing that I'm still going up there, but I'm going to mute and unmute. There we go. Hopefully that worked for you now. No. Okay. Um, we're going to continue on and hope that this is all going well. And we're going to get to that. Let me actually, let's go straight to Michael's go. All right. looks like we're having a little technical difficulty. So what we'll do is, um, I think Bob just placed it on the screen. Um, we'll, we'll kind of get ready to close out. I, I would love to invite you to one of our upcoming programs. Um, the Broward County Library um, has an opportunity to um, implement um, the NEA Big Read um, program. And we have a live conversation with award-winning author, Patricia Engel. Um, you should see it on your screen right now. Maybe we can um, make sure that they can get access to that registration page, Bob. It's going to be at the our Southwest Regional Library in Pembroke Pines. All of the details are on your screen. Uh, you'll get a chance to hear Patricia Engel talk about her um, writing process, her award-winning book. She has a new book coming out as well. Also, people who uh, attend in person will have a chance to win a projector that will be raffled off at the location. And that event is this Saturday, January 28th, and it starts at noon, 12 p.m. Eastern. Thank you. It's going to be awesome. It is, it's going to be a really good event. 
if you still can't hear me, Michael, I am sorry. We're going to find out. I was hearing you just fine. So hopefully everything worked out great. I'm going to wrap it all up for us. If there is a library or librarian you'd like to see featured on the show, reach out to us at creationstation at broward.org. And we'll see everybody next week. Have a great weekend, everyone.